Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello there. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I am beautifully sun-kissed. Okay, I'm not sure what that means, but I'm going to take it as being something positive. So, welcome back to our show, and welcome listeners to Bareback, the podcast where we explore our relationship as a bear couple. And discuss the quirks of our respective cultures. I'm Ben, and I'm British. And I'm Benja, and I'm Argentinian. And this week we are focusing on... Holidays! 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 Or ho- Holly Bob, if we Holiday. were Holiday! Celebrate! Do I do a good Madonna? <laughs> you do a Madonna. Okay. <laughs> so, this week we're going to be discussing how Brits spend their time in the sun. And I want to know a little bit more about where Argentines go for their time away. Hmm. Mystery. <laughs> Mystery. <laughs> But before we start talking about holidays, we've got to delve into the post bag. Ooh, what do we have today? Well, we've had a message from Bear-tastic. Ooh, I um, love the name. Yeah, it's a lovely name, isn't it? He's contacted us on Instagram. He actually makes his own cute gay bear t-shirts. Oh, okay. And uh, and he's Bear-tastic the name in his passport. Is that like his actual official name? <laughs> Legal name? I don't think it's his official name, but maybe, you know, that's what he's known by his friend. He doesn't actually give his real name, so we have to call him Bear-tastic. Okay. Um, I think he'll be happy with that, and I'm happy with that. Yes. Um, and <laughs> so, Bear-tastic got in touch this week, and he said, I've listened to your uh, Compromises episode, and he said that he just wants to make it clear that it is hard for someone to live in a foreign language. I know that, he says. It makes me tired as well, because my husband refuses to learn German. Oh. I mean... German is a difficult language, isn't it? Very, very difficult language. Although I've heard that for English speakers, it shouldn't be uh, really difficult because it's kind of like similar origin or something like that. I don't know. I did it for two years at school. I found it really, really difficult. My favourite German word, Mischweinchen. What does Mischweinchen mean? Guinea pig. Guinea pig. So why... So. Uh, Let's start on, why do you know the word in German for guinea pig? We must have done a lesson on pets, and that's the only one that's stuck. I mean, sometimes it's astonishing what your brain retains of information. <laughs> but going back to Bertastic, I mean, I think that Bertastic is absolutely right, regardless of, of, of how difficult a lang- learning a language can be. You make the effort, you don't refuse to it. That's just not right, Bertastic. So basically, if his husband is listening, yeah, whose husband? Bertastic's husband. Exactly. I love to, I love calling him Bertastic. So I don't accept you calling saying the word he or him. Just say Bertastic, please. Okay. So Bertastic's husband, if he's listening, hopefully now he's kind of realised the error of his ways, and he's going to the library as we speak to sign up for a language course in German because he'd be able to say amazing phrases like Schlumpentaschen. 
It sounds like a yogurt. Well, my German friend who lives in Scotland, you know when you you meet somebody from a, another country and you don't speak the same language as them, you want to know the swear words. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, what's slutbag in German? And she said, well, it doesn't translate. And I said, well, what would it be? And she said, well, it would be schlumpentaschen. But literally what that would translate as is a little slut inside a bag. <laughs> <laughs> so I just imagine this this little slut just peeking out of the bag going, hello, wie geht's? <laughs> I am a slut. <laughs> you am a slut. A little <laughs> slut, apparently. A little slut in a bag. <laughs> yeah, that can fit in a bag. Fantastic. Thank you very much for getting in touch with us. We are very much on your side. Your husband should be learning German. So, this week we're talking about holidays. Why are we talking about holidays in particular this week? Not that we're looking very smug right now or anything. Well, probably <laughs> the same reason that you claim being sun-kissed, because whilst we were talking, I googled what that meant. It's because we've been on holidays. We've been on our holidays. We've been finally abroad. Yeah, we got on an actual aeroplane with jets and everything. I know, but it was a low-cost one, so it's kind of like... Uh. Well, you know, I'm just... You know, last week I was a, a low-cost fashionista. This week I'm a low-cost travelista. Travelista. If that's a word. Yeah. So... I'm, I'm sorry, but as your English as a second language speaking boyfriend, that's not a word, but... Oh, well. It might be. It might be new for 2022. We'll keep our fingers crossed. I mean, the education just never finishes, does it? So we've been to Malta. And for those of you who are, or maybe, geographically challenged, that's a small island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. It's not far from Italy, I don't yeah. think. So it's south uh, it's south of Sicily. So it's literally like between Sicily and Africa. And it's a very historical country, thousands and thousands of years of history. Then the knights came over, the Order of St. John... And they kind of fortified it against the Byzantines. Am I making this up? I hope I'm telling the truth. Then the French took over and then the British. And then Italian as well at some point. I don't think Italy itself, but there was a lot of Italian people who acted as governors and uh, sort of like, you know, the high positions in government. A lot of Italian names there. Well, it's quite interesting you say about Italy, because I think you described it really well when we got back. Like all the shops over there are British, you know. I never thought I'd be able to shop in Matalan in the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Matalan, for those of you who don't know it, is um, on the cheaper end of the fashion spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, you get your basics there, can't you? Yeah. But it's very British. Until recently, you needed to have a card to shop there. It's very weird. You couldn't just go in. You had to like sign up and have a card. And so they had all these British shops, Holland and Barra and Monsoon and all those kind of places. But the cuisine was very... Italian influenced. Yeah, the thing is, is the shops were British, the restaurants were Italian. Absolutely. But we had an amazing time. It was so good to get out. Well, I say it was so good to get out of the country. It was a bit of a rigmarole, you know, travelling during the times of the coronavirus. And I feel like I'm moaning here. I'm, I'm really not moaning, but it was a bit of a burden. Hashtag first word problem. Well, I wasn't the only one. There was that woman in the, um, in the queue in front of us on the plane. <laughs> she, oh, yeah. She... <laughs> She clearly didn't enjoy having to fill out all these forms and showing all these QR codes to get out of the country. And she turned around to her husband and shouted in the middle of the queue in the airport. She was like, if I have to do these forms every time I go abroad, I'm not going on holiday again. I'm just going to stay at home and focus on my bungalow. I mean, it's going to be a very nice bungalow. It's going to be a beautiful bungalow. Beautiful bungalow. (laughs) 
to some extent, I kind of felt it like I didn't go out of the country. I kind of felt like I was in still in a little bit in Britain because of all of the shops in particular and a lot of British tourists as well. I mean, yeah, but the weather was somewhat different. I mean, oh, yeah. it was like 29 degrees when back home it was pretty much winter. Yeah, coming back was a little bit the shock for me. We were in 20, 29 degrees sun all week and then we came back to cold and rain. But we had a beautiful hotel. Oh, it was lovely. In the centre of Valletta, which is the capital, tiny, tiny capital. I think there's about 30,000 people that live there. It's an old walled city. UNESCO, you know, all that kind of stuff. We had a continental breakfast every morning. And the lady who sorted out our breakfast was quite old. I mean, it's one of the things that because you know how people under the sun tend to age more. I mean, she was in her 80s. That's the thing. I think that probably she was in her 50s. No, no, no. She was well into her 80s. No, she was She was. And the thing was, this poor lady, not only did she do the breakfast, she did all the rooms. She cleaned. She did the turndown service. Like, she was, like, literally running this boutique hotel by herself. I mean, there was other staff there in the hotel, but she was the only one that we actually saw doing things, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Everyone else was just kind of, like, chatty, like, oh, you're having yeah. a nice day and everything. While she was, like, mopping the floor, then hoovering at the same time. But she remembered our coffee orders every morning, and we'd come down, and she'd be like, oh, cappuccino, espresso, and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she'd come up with this tray filled with all this fruit and... And, and, and bread toast. and toast and all this kind of stuff. It was very much akin to, and you probably won't get this reference, Bab, but it was very much akin to Malta's answer to Mrs. Overall from Acorn Antiques. You know, two soups with a tray and, you know. I mean, you have to let that one go, Bab. You try to make that reference to that TV show with a friends, with a neighbours, whatever, and no one got it. Well, I think there's lots of people out here who are stanning Victoria Wood, may she rest in peace, and they will have appreciated that reference. No one got it, Bab. Let it go. So, yeah, we spent the first day exploring Valletta, which is beautiful. I mean, it's stunning, isn't it? Beautiful. It's a beautiful town, yeah. Very, again, very historical. A lot of very old buildings. There's a lot of, again, architectural influences from years past. And you can get a water taxi over the Grand Harbour to what's called the Three Cities, but they're basically three little villages. Again, very impressive, but I nearly, well, I got shouted at by the water taxi driver, didn't I? Oh, yeah, you annoyed a lot of people in Malta. <laughs> Did I? Well, you annoyed a bus driver, you annoyed the boat uh, Oh, yeah, skipper. that bus driver. I couldn't get my two euros out quick enough, and he started banging on the side. No, 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 don't get me wrong, I don't justify his behaviour, but first of all, we there was a queue behind us, and you were trying to pay the bus with a room key. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So then you took out the bus pass, and the bus pass didn't have any tickets left. Then you took out your credit card, trying to make it work contactless, but apparently it only works with Visa, and you have MasterCard. (laughs) So it wouldn't work either. So then I was looking for the cash, and he was so annoyed. Mm Mm-mm. But the water taxi driver, he thought I was going to like literally destroy his boat because yeah. I was leaning on the wooden frame that was kind of like, it was like to give some shade, wasn't yeah. it, on the boat. And it was a very traditional, you know, water taxi boat, you know, the, um, I mean, they say very traditional, it had an outboard motor on it, but he did have the oars at the side just in case, you know, right. he wanted to pretend that it was of historic value. I mean, you know that like 20th century technology reached Malta. No, 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 that's absolutely fine. But they were claiming that these were like historic boats. And I was like... Ah, They are historic. They just have an engine. Well, okay. 
but yeah, he shouted at me and <laughs> for you know leaning on this piece of wood. To be fair, it was a bit dodgy when we got off. I did shake the boat a little bit, and I did think I might go in the sea, but I was fine. It was a nice sea, though. You floated, remember? Yeah, it was kind of like, I mean, I've never been to the, the Dead Sea, but it was akin to that, in a way, when we got in the water. Not great beaches in Malta, I have to say. Fantastic country, but not great beaches. And the, and the one beach that we did spend the day at was a, a man-made Beach, yeah, wasn't it? it was a very nice one, very calm waters as well, so very family-friendly, if that's your thing. We were just drinking and eating, and just going into the sea, but you could float, you could literally just stay there. And you know, I felt like when you see these images on the internet about like manatees floating, like standing up, but the floating. I felt like <laughs> that, I felt like a floating manatee. <laughs> you look more beautiful than a manatee. Mm. Well, manatees are quite beautiful. Remember that manatees are what people confuse mermaids with. What, like Ariel? Well, the other way around. One of the theories of mermaids is actually that the sailors were confusing manatees with women. Well, I didn't see that scene in Splash. I mean, no, and neither in The Little Mermaid. But... Nor Splash 2. Well, yeah, but that's a historical fact, not a fiction fact. Oh, okay. Well... Rewriting history here on the podcast, rewriting history. The other thing we did was we were just, again, on the bus when I actually managed to pay for a ticket properly. And we saw that um, Pete Tong, the legendary 90s, well, forever DJ, was performing with the Heritage Orchestra. Yeah. For the record, I have... If you're not British and you're like me, you have no idea who Pete Tong is. Well, Pete Tong is like Mr. Ibiza. Like, you know, he's been on Radio 1, BBC Radio 1 for years. He is Mr. Dance. I'm pretty sure he discovered Daft Punk. I'm pretty sure he discovered LCD Sound System. I may have got that wrong. Answers on a postcard, please. But I'm pretty sure that he's, you know, some of the biggest acts he has played them for the first time on the radio. Anyway, so he did this amazing concert in Valletta. Outdoor concert with fireworks, confetti cannons. But the cutest thing was, it was in this kind of very residential area. There was obviously like a really big open space in Valletta. But surrounding it was all these residential areas. And all, and it was predominantly old people who lived in that area. And all the old ladies came out and they got their little chairs and tables. Yeah, all with their rosaries there, hanging around their neck. But they're all pumping to the music. As soon as that bass line dropped, they were going crazy. They were like, they were incredible dancers. It was so much fun. And actually, you know, they kind of had the last laugh because we paid to go into the arena and we might as well have just stayed on the street with them because there was a bar there with very cheap beer. Yeah, but at the same time, it was nine quid to get in. I know, I couldn't believe that. It wasn't like we spend a lot. In this country, we would have spent 50 quid for those same tickets. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, as well, I took you to Bethlehem. Let's not forget that. Oh, my God. We took the... <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, we took the fast ferry uh, to Gozo, yeah. which is the island off the... It's like a sister island. Yeah, it's part of Malta, but yeah. it's, it's another island and it's, you know, it's built up and there's lots of things to see and do there. And one of the places that you can go and visit in Gozo is a recreation of Bethlehem, as in the town where Jesus was born. Yeah, so let me tell you a little bit about that. Uh, Yeah, I know why you're laughing. (laughs) It was amazing. It was a shithole. And you cannot deny this. Don't get me wrong, probably in December, it's absolutely gorgeous, it's lovely, and it's really also very representative of 
sort of the truth is like desert-like Christmas rather than just snowy Christmas, what is what you imagine. Apparently they like audition a local woman who's just had a baby and she becomes Mary for the month of December and she basically sits in the manger for the whole month and tourists come. Hundreds of people, they have hundreds of actors and animals and all sorts. Okay, and that's fine in December. (laughs) We were there in... In September, end of September, beginning of October... It's a deserted shithole. <laughs> there's nothing. There's no one. There's rubbish. It looks derelict. It looks like you're going to be murdered just by walking inside of there. <laughs> we had randomly three peacocks in a small cage. That God knows how long they've been there. It was an absolute shithole. But at least you can say that you've been to Bethlehem. Yeah, I would probably avoid saying it. (laughs) I don't want to admit that we've been there in September. It was so desolate. And I was like, every corner we walked around, I was like, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. We're going to experience something. I mean, it was basically like a Christian theme park. Just no one was there and nothing was happening. And there was no rides. And there was (laughs) literally like barely any buildings. Oh, I'm sorry, Bab. I'm sorry, Bab. Yeah, but you know when I keep telling you that I need to start pushing back when you want to take take me to certain places? This is yet another example of it. Well, you didn't push back and we went. So, highlight of Malta? Alcohol under the sun. And I think we know what your low light is. Uh, Bethlehem. (laughs) I was very surprised with the cuisine because I thought it was going to be... Well, I don't know what I thought it was going to be, really. Well, we knew that rabbit is kind of like the local meat that it's eating, so we were very much looking forward to that. But then, ah, oh, the the pasties, you know, the 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 sandwiches, the fatiras, the pasticci, was it? Pastizzi. Pastizzi. Yeah. Called, and then we went for that like pizza made like with a traditional, well, kind of like a traditional bread. It was really nice. I was surprised that there were a lot of meals that were kind of like stew based. When you're thinking about such hot summers, having a stew doesn't seem like it, but they actually were really nice. We had a, a you had a rabbit stew, and I had a, a seafood stew, and they were really nice. Mm-mm-mm. Not that we specifically went there for that reason, but it did feel quite gay friendly. They just had Malta Pride, so some of the bars still had um, yeah, rainbow, gay, flags. rainbow flags outside. We went to Tony's Bar, which we were told was a gay hotspot. I mean, it was a hotspot, but not a gay hotspot. And we met Tony. We did meet Tony. <laughs> to be fair, I, the thing with Tony's Bar, I loved it, but it was average age 70. Yeah, I think we walked in and we literally like shaved the average age by half. But Tony was really nice. He fist bumped me when I asked if he was Tony. Did he? Yeah. He never told me that. Well, I told you that I met Tony, that I asked him if he was Tony. And he said, yes, he was Tony and he fist bumped me. You got a fist bump from Tony? Yeah. You proper chal. I mean, what else did you get from Tony? Two beers that I paid for. Hmm. I'm a little bit jealous that you got a fist pump from Tony, yeah. Mm. <sighs> but what? If you don't ask, you don't get. So we've had our week of fun in the sun. And now we're going to talk a little bit more about how we, as 
well, as I, as a British person, how traditionally British people will travel and what an Argentine holiday abroad looks like. So I thought we'd get into the mood with a bit of music. By mood, do you refer the 70s? This is core early 90s. This is, we need to view this on YouTube. This is Wish You Were Here, the pinnacle of British television. Judith Chalmers, absolute legend. She basically used to fly all around the world and, you know, report from some of the hotspots. So I just thought we'd get into the mood and think about a British person going on holiday after watching this programme. Yeah, I think I stopped understanding what you were saying about 30 seconds ago. So what do... Argentines think about British travellers? Um, that you are rude and obnoxious and overly drunk. I mean, that's not very nice. It's not, but let's take you back, for example, to Brits visiting Argentina. There's a lot of times and a lot of stories, confirmed stories, of British people having an absolute meltdown Because someone in a random shop in Argentina doesn't speak English. No. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean... It happens. Okay. The expectation that everyone knows English in a Spanish-speaking country. And don't get me wrong, I don't have an issue with you not knowing the language. We've been to places where we don't know the language. But having an absolute meltdown about it... Is this like a new thing, though? Because I've done a bit of research in preparing for the podcast today, and recent research suggests that the majority of millennials will try the local language and cuisine when abroad, which goes very much against the traditional image of the Brit abroad, you know, the drunk, lagal out, wanting to start a fight and, you know, eat fish and chips wherever they go, you know, that's been imported from Grimsby, that's, you know, never even, the fish has never even been anywhere near the Mediterranean if they're in Spain, for example. Well, there's a way that we can test it. What? If I'm a Brit abroad? Yeah. Okay, how do we do that? Is it like a lateral flow test that I have to do? Mm, A little bit. It's just that it doesn't involve putting things in your mouth. Oh, that's a shame. I know. I know you like that. Um, So what I'll do is I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Well, a few questions, actually. And we are going to determine what type of Brit abroad you are. Okay. And is this a genuine verified test? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Genuine verified test, you know, from the internet. Okay. So question number one. Okay. I'm going to read the questions and then I'm going to read the options. Okay. So question number one. Are you drunk right now? The options are yes, (laughs) no, maybe, fuck you, you're not my (laughs) mum. So I'm thinking about if I was on holiday. So let's try and think about what type of Brit abroad you are. So your response Okay, well, I would say maybe. Okay, let's go with... Well, you know, let's be honest. Everyone likes to drink when they're on holiday, don't they? Yeah, I think that's the difference. And that's something that I experienced when I first came to the UK. And I think, to be honest, I think this one is absolutely fantastic. Is that you go to an airport and you'll have someone having breakfast because it's seven in the morning. And in the same table, there's going to be one of their travel companions having a pint. At seven in the morning. Yeah, but, you know, when you get to an airport, it's five o'clock somewhere, isn't it? Those are the kind of rules. I know. And the thing is, I absolutely love that. I love the fact that you can go uh, into uh, an airport in the UK and you can see someone 
literally wearing pyjamas whilst having a pint of lager. Why not? You know, you're holiday ready. This is this is what you've worked all year for. You know, I think there is something to be said about British people in that we feel that we have a right to a foreign holiday every year. We are seeking that two weeks in the sun because let's be honest, the weather here is so unpredictable. Yeah, of course, that's going to involve alcohol. It might include some sunburn. It might include a tattoo. It might include an STI or a criminal record. Who knows? Who knows? But, but alcohol is the first one. Absolutely. And, and to be fair, I celebrate that one. I think rules around drinking uh, and, and times for drinking, unless you have a drinking problem, they shouldn't exist. Okay. All right. So I, I'm going to go with maybe on that okay. one. We'll put maybe. Okay. Question number two. When you are on a beach in a foreign country, do you often find people shielding their eyes to protect against the glare from your pale body? So the options are yes, Mm -hmm. no, I'm just too beautiful to be looked at directly, (laughs) or I'm from Essex, orange doesn't reflect light. Well, I've seen the pictures you took of me when we were on the uh, the Lilos last week, so I'm definitely not option three. Um, and I'm Why not. not? From, I'm not from Essex, so and the thing is, I am very pale. Shall I put yes? Then? Yes. Okay. Yes, but I think you're beautiful. Babe. Not bad. Thanks. Okay. Next question. When you visit another country. How superior do you feel? <laughs> the options are vastly, because I am. A bit, I'm lucky to be British. I try really hard not to, but it's tough. <laughs> or everyone is equal. Asterisk, terms and conditions apply. <laughs> I'd like to think that I would think that everyone is equal, but I am very proud to be British, so I can't get around that fact. But, I mean... Certainly, I don't feel I don't feel superior. Basically, I'm thinking about that guy that we saw in Malta last week when we went to the Pete Tong concert, and somebody was stood in front of him because we were all in kind of like pens, yeah, because it was a COVID secure event, and so there was a we were in a pen, and it would have fit normally about two hundred people in, but there was about thirty of us in there. Oh yeah, there? it was really really empty. The pen in front of us, there was like a plinth there because it was an old historical site, so yes. it wasn't exactly leveled. leveled. And three women stood on the plinth yeah which was basically two steps up yeah so they could get a better view of the concert because we were quite far at the back and a plinth that it was like a meter diameter by the way this guy he thought he was superior that he was a british guy he thought he was in the right and he was like why are these women stood in front of me he collared the security guard the security guard was like look you know there's loads of space here it's not a packed out event you know, you can move somewhere else. But he didn't want to move. He wanted to stay where he was. He wanted to stay where he was. And also, let's, um, again, there was about 30 people in our pen. He could have moved a metre to the left or a metre to the right. He still would have been against the railing of our pen and he wouldn't be blocked by the women standing on the plinth. But no, but he wouldn't have it. To the point, and you missed this one. I was in the portaloo. Yeah, exactly. So at some point, he actually threw something at them. It was something small. I don't. I think it was like a cigarette butt or, or or something like that. It could be dangerous though, in the wrong hands. But he was so annoyed, and they end up leaving before the the concert ended. Remember? Well, he cut his nose off to spite the face. I mean, he wasn't quite the bare-chested, beer-bellied, fist-wielding men with a you know a patriotic 
t-shirt that the media portray. But he did think that he was superior to other people. Yeah. And it was it was embarrassing. And we were with some other British people that we'd met, because obviously, you know, Brits attract Brits when abroad. And we were all a bit like, mm, this is awkward. Yeah, I know. But yeah, they left. But well, anyway, so how superior do you feel abroad? Bastly? <sighs> a bit? Try really hard not to, but it's tough. Or everyone is equal, asterisk terms and conditions apply. I think I'm going to have to go with a bit. A bit. Mm. You know what? I respect that. I would have been fuming if you would have chosen the I try really hard not to, but it's tough. That's the worst answer that anyone could give to this question. <laughs> it's just, oh, I'm trying to be humble, but I'm so superior. <laughs> awful, awful. Oh, this question might be a troublesome one. Oh, dear. Okay. Let's assume you're single for a minute. Oh, hello. I mean, I'm right here. A bit of sun, sea, sand and sex. Mm, okay, those things don't really mix. I know. Assuming that you're single, are you likely to have a holiday romance? The options are... By golly gosh, of course I am. Haven't you heard my sexy British accent? Golly gosh. Yeah, I can't do a British accent. Yes, I, you so. can. You can do a very good British accent. Say, Would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> that's as British as I can do. I mean, that's the most British thing any British person could say. So, well yeah. done. Okay. <laughs> the next option is making foreign babies is a favourite pastime of mine. Okay. Who cares if I'm single? It's in a foreign country, so it doesn't count. Okay. Watch what you answer. <laughs> and the last option is, I wouldn't say no to a quickie on the beach after happy hour. Let's hope that that lingering itchiness is just trapped sand. Yeah, that would probably be me, the last one. Mm, a quickie on the beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you dirty, dirty <laughs> bastard. And then you end up with a rush everywhere. And the rush is going to be an SDI and sunburn. To be fair, I would be a quickie on the beach behind a massive rock under a blanket. Just okay. FYI. Not yeah. like in the middle of like, and at night as well. But you're still getting the SDI and you're still getting sand and rubbing all over. Oh, I'm sure there's a cream a for that. that. I'm sure there's a cream for that. Okay, so let's go on to the next question. I'm going to read the question and the options, and then I kind of want to have a commentary on the options. Okay. <laughs> what is your first thought entering a country for the first time? The options are, where is the pub? I like this place better when it was a colony. <sighs> Harsh. They'd better not speak French here. Or, I've been here for literally seconds already and I'm not drunk yet. None of those are applicable to me. I mean, the colony one, that, I mean, that's awful. I don't appreciate that, whatever. Did you write this quiz? No, I didn't write this quiz. Good. However, I kind of understand a little bit where it comes from. You know, there's a lot of stereotypes about the places where British people go on holidays and how British be a lot of British people uh, like to go on holidays to Britain with better weather. So they go to southern Spain, but they go to the places in southern Spain, Spain where they can eat fish and chips and go to the British pub and 
Yeah, and I've been on holidays like that, and it is exactly like that when you go there. I mean, it's not... I remember going to Portugal, actually, and around the corner from where we were staying was literally a shop that was selling baby milk from Britain, you know, because obviously you can't buy baby milk in Portugal because their baby milk's not as good as ours, or whatever. And then there was next door to that, there was a shop, well, a fish and chip shop, and it was like fresh fish flown in from Grimsby, which is a town in East Yorkshire. And it's like, we went to a restaurant that night and literally ate a prawn, talking about babies, the size of a baby's arm. It was massive, this prawn. I'm like, why would you, you know, I love fish and chips. It's incredible, it's fish and chips. It's my favourite thing in the world. But, you know, when in Rome or when in Portugal, you're going to go for what? what they have because it's going to be markedly better than what we have back here and you know as well that I have my friends that really wind me up and I, by now I think they do it on purpose they all they wind <laughs> me up because they travel a lot and they go to all of these amazing places but then they always send me photos of what they're eating and it's literally when they were in Portugal for example they sent me a photo of them eating in Jamie's Italian yeah so eating in an Italian restaurant owned and designed by a British chef in Portugal. I mean, to be fair, though, Jamie's Italian no longer exists in this country, so it's probably a bit of a kudos to go there, actually, you know, in defence. But with how amazing food is in Portugal, and you know what? We came back from Malta, and they go often to Malta. They go a couple of times a year. I kind of don't even want to ask whether they've tried the traditional Maltese food, because I don't want to know, because I know that probably they will end up telling me that they've had, like, Italian pizza and spaghetti bolognese every single night. While we were away, do you remember that couple that was sat in front of us in that bar in Sliema? And I, well, because I'm a nosy bugger, I <laughs> was watching what they were Googling. And this guy was literally Googling, is there a Weatherspoons in Rome? Now, Weatherspoons is like, it's like a pub chain. It's like the cheapest thing you've ever been to in your life. It, You know, again, <laughs> it's like Matinard. It's good for the basics. It's a discount pub, yeah, basically. Yeah. But why would you go all the way to Rome and want to know if there was a Weatherspoons there when you've got Again, all these amazing places in Rome. I just don't get it. I know. And the thing is, so uh, as harsh as this option about I like this place better when it was a colony, as, as much as I think it's really harsh, I actually think it's kind of founded on stereotypes, but on stereotypes that exist for a reason. Yeah, but the most popular holiday destination for Brits is France. That's never been a colony. In fact, we were one of their colonies, kind of. But again, it's kind of going into France, into the places in France where all of the Brits go and where you can go into a Weatherspoons. I don't know if there's any Weatherspoons in France. But I don't know either, but you know what I mean. They have Marks and Spencer, I know that. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> okay, so which one of you, which one is the closest of... Uh, I don't want to answer that question. I don't like any of those responses. Probably the first one, the pub one. Where is the pub? Yeah. Yeah, you do like a pub. Yeah. Well, I think I already know the answer to the next question, actually. But let's go through it as a formality, shall we? (laughs) Have you ever written off an entire country because of their poor tea selection? The options being, I can live without my tea. No tea means no civilization. It's made me think twice about returning. Forget oil. America should start bombing countries because of lack of tea. Oh, Again, I'm not really happy with that final option. Um, well, I love tea. 
you know I love tea, and I only drink one type of tea, which is Yorkshire tea, the best tea in the world. And I have been known to take tea bags abroad with me before, because mm-hmm. Yorkshire tea now they do a they do like a little holiday pouch, so you can take um you know travel size offering. But again, it's that whole thing when in Rome, I'm quite happy drinking coffee. I'm, I wouldn't order tea abroad because I know it's not going to live up to Yorkshire tea. Um, <laughs> I might have, you know, if we were in Japan, I'd have matcha. If we were in China, I'd have some of the oolongs or, or what have you that they have over there. So I would try the local tea, but I wouldn't try and have like a British style tea. Chai in India as well, for example. Yeah, you didn't really try tea in Argentina. Well, you basically said that it wasn't going to live up to my expectations of what a good cup of tea was. So I didn't bother. Yeah, but what I mean by that is that although you're very, very keen on your tea, you lived. Yeah. Yeah. I had mate. Yeah, exactly. Which is what you drink in Argentina. So again, what's the path of least resistance in this one? I think that the right option for you is I can live without, without my tea. Yeah, there you are. It's difficult, but I can. Yeah. Okay, and last question. What's the best place to get engaged? (laughs) I don't know. You tell me, Bab. This question is (laughs) going to bring a lot of issues. Where would you like to get engaged? I should have pre-read these questions. So, the options are... Paris, you can't beat the Eiffel Tower. No, we've been there. We've done that. You didn't ask me then. No. Rome, so romantic. Well, we've not been to Rome together. Mm, and yeah, but I don't like that play of word, romantic. Mm. I'm just thinking of getting inspiration on where you're going to propose to me. Okay. Amsterdam, I'd have to be wasted. <laughs> well, you probably would, yeah. Or Thailand, nowhere else has the vast array of ladyboy choice. Again, I'm, some of these responses I'm not really comfortable with. I mean, probably not Rome, but at least romantic. Probably the second one. So the second one was Rome? Yeah, I know. I'm not saying that I would want to get engaged in Rome, but somewhere romantic. Okay, let's just put Rome somewhere romantic. Okay, so do you want to do the drum roll for the result? You can tell that I've not downloaded any sound effects this week. I know, but have you tried, like, I don't know, tapping the table? Something that kind of doesn't sound like you're motorboating someone? I don't want to exert myself doing that. I'll just use my tongue. God, and then you tell me about my sound effects. Okay, Bob, the results are in and you are a royal. Yes! What does that mean? I don't know, it doesn't explain really. I'm just regal. You're just well behaved, I suppose? I like to think that I am a good ambassador for my country when I'm abroad. I'm polite, I'm friendly, I try things. Yeah, I think you are. Thanks, Bob. I had to think about it for a second, but I think you are. I think... With British people abroad, a lot of people focus on this kind of booze fueled, you know, lager out. And I think at the other end of the scale, you've got another different type of person as well. You know, the kind that would spend £1,000 at Mountain Warehouse to do a two mile hike. Do you know what I mean? You know, and they're the kind of people who 
you know, they'd favour an agriturismo property in the Dordogne, you know, and they'd go there to specifically drink a particular type of wine for a week. But you can tell why people will focus and notice one and not the other, because if you are walking at an upper mountain, mountain or having a cup of tea in silence, contrasted with a, a drunken band of people making noise, well, which one are you going to notice? Mm, mm. So it might be a vast minority that actually behave like that abroad, but it's the most noticeable. And also as well, I think the industry itself feels it because, you know, it's a bit of a Mobius loop. You know, holiday resorts cater to to tourists with booze on tap, prices that are cheaper than staying at home. Also, while we're talking about holidays, can I just say one of my bugbears is when people talk about holidaying at home and they call it a staycation. No, a staycation is when you stay at home. Like literally physically at home, yeah. not holidaying within your own country. Yeah. Actually, a staycation is where you have time off work and you don't go anywhere. You might do a day trip, that's fine. I'm happy for that to be a staycation. But why is the media, in this country in particular, they love calling a staycation, it's like when people go to the coast for a week. And it's like, no, you've actually gone on holiday in your own country. It's not a staycation. I think that to some extent, there's a little bit of a... um, Like holiday in, in the UK has a bad rep. It's like, they call it a staycation to try and make a thing out of it. Because realistically, if people, if you tell people, oh, where did you go? Oh, we went to Cornwall. Cornwall is lovely. But people still think, oh, you didn't go abroad? Mm, That's not right. Well, and I think the other thing as well is not just that. It's really expensive to go on holiday in England. Like, it's much cheaper to go to Europe. Because, you know, we went away to Brighton. We did a, a tour around Sussex and Kent. And that one hotel, and it's a, you know, a two, maybe three star hotel at most, part of a very famous chain that may or may not rhyme with Gay Gin. And they wanted to charge us £300 a night. And I know we're in a kind of weird space at the minute. We're just coming out of COVID and all that kind of stuff. And people are not going abroad as much as they were. But £300 yeah. a night in a Gay Gin. So I think we've done... British holidays to death, or, mm-hmm. or certainly the stereotypes of British holidays, or what British people are like abroad. Where do Argentines go on holiday? What What's an Argentine holiday like? Well, everywhere. So the first thing about holidaying for Argentinians is that we don't call it staycations. When you travel within the country, it's still holidays. Given you probably have to travel further, it's a big country, but it's still holidays. So you can separate probably the ones that holiday sort of in the country and the ones that go abroad. Okay. But I think that holidays for a lot of Argentinians is very much about image. It's about what you can show or what you can say of where you've been rather than actually having a good time. It's like you have all of these people that absolutely hate the cold. They will go south to the glaciers Hmm. just so they can post on Facebook them by the glacier because holidaying by the glacier is considered a posh holiday right okay they will hate every second of it and the fingers will be frozen the toes will be frozen but they will go there because it's the posh thing to do and is that people who genuinely have money or people who are kind of middle class and want to be appear to be what we would call like 10 pound millionaires in this country you have a great phrase for it in spanish yeah, we have a, a phrase in Spanish, at least in Argentinian Spanish, that that we say that is que quiere cagar más alto de lo que tiene el culo, which 
again, it's really difficult to explain, but it literally translates mm-hmm. to people who want to shed from higher than where their ass is. And is that the kind of person that would go to the glacier? Uh, a little bit. I think it's. I, I think it works all ways. So if you go, for example, to the coast, going to the coast in Argentina is kind of chaff. Really? Well, if you want to go to the sea, you either go to Uruguay or you go to Brazil. So mm. if you go to the coast in Argentina, it's considered a little bit chaff. There are places that are sort of bosher than others. But, like, the main city, Mar del Plata, the main coastal city, going to Mar del Plata is considered a little bit chav. If you want to portray that you are more than what you are, you would outright refuse to go there. So would that be like going in the UK to, like, Blackpool or, say, in the US going to, like, Atlantic City or Vegas or something like that? Yeah, something like that. I think that if if you say, for example, oh, I'm going to New York, but then um, someone says, oh, I'm going to New Jersey... There's a lot of lovely places in New Jersey, but it kind of sounds chavier the moment you hear about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, everyone, anyone living in New Jersey. That's just a stereotype. I don't endorse it, by the way. <laughs> Have you been to New Jersey? You know what? I haven't. That's the thing. I cannot. <laughs> but, but that's my point. If you, want, if you want to get people to think that you are better than what you actually are, you would probably want to say that you went to... Not even New York. You want to say that you went to Manhattan... Mm. See, I love the idea of New Jersey because I just think I'm going to meet Michelle Visage. That's basically what I know about New Jersey. To be fair, New Jersey has a lot of very nice places to go to, but there is a stereotype about being sort of like a chavy New York, really. That's the thing with Argentina. And if you go to the mountains, Argentina, you don't really go abroad for mountains. Well, as we've found out from previous episodes, you've got some of the tallest mountains in the world. Yeah. We have the tallest mountain in the American continent. So we have the tallest mountain in the whole of the West, actually the Western Hemisphere. And it happens to be in the wine country. So why wouldn't you? We have so many lovely places. And of course, we talked about the natural wonders of Argentina as well in the past. And also you have a great climate. You know, I know I know you have different aspects of the climate. It's almost like with Argentina, you've kind of got the world under one roof, haven't you? You've got, you know, you've got the glaciers in the south, you've got the Lake District. But as well as that, you have pretty much an all year round decent climate. I know it gets a little bit cold and, you know, it gets to like 20 degrees and your mum puts a massive coat on. <laughs> I'm not denying it. I mean, no, it does get colder than that in the winter, doesn't it? Well, yeah, especially in the south. But we y- do we do have the most southern city in the world, remember? Yeah, but you you can go to other parts of the country where you can live all year round in a, in yeah. a fairly temperate climate. So do you need to go abroad? Like here in the UK, you kind of associate going abroad of getting some sun, getting some vitamin D. The thing is as well, is going abroad is more expensive in Argentina. So it's the opposite of here. So actually going abroad, it kind of makes you look posher because it is more expensive. And the thing about, for example, going to the coast in Argentina, it's not necessarily that the places are not lovely. They are. It's normally just a matter of the water, because the water is a little bit more brown, so it's not clear water, and it's colder. Now, I'm going to slightly challenge that a little bit, because I did a little bit of research about holidays in Argentina, or oh. Argentine holidays. Okay. And I found this, admittedly, it's an English forum that mm-hmm. I found. And... Somebody poses the question, where do Argentinians go on vacation? And 
this person responds, to be fair, this response was in 2001. Okay, so <laughs> a little bit of an old one. Yeah, and they say this, and, and I'd be interested to know whether you agree with it. So it says, the rich ones go to Punta del Este mm-hmm. in Uruguay or any other sophisticated destination. A lot of people in this forum are talking about Miami as well. Miami being popular for people in Argentina. The medium class, or the middle class, I guess, goes to Florianopolis in Brazil. Mm -hmm. The poor people go to Rio Grande do Sul beaches. That's also in Brazil as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's also in Brazil. And then, I love this, the miserable ones stay where they are in Argentina and you, well, it kind of reflects what I was saying, isn't it? And I think that, for example, Punta del Este is one of the perfect examples for it because it's not just that rich people go to. It's, you kind of need to be rich to be there. But what happens with Punta del Este is that it is extremely expensive. I'm talking literally a pizza can be in a restaurant can be fifty pounds. Get away! It's absolutely manic expensive. What happens is that if you if you can afford it, you will go. If you're kind of like upper middle class or rich. If you're not, you'll probably get together with like 18 friends, <laughs> rent a three bedroom house on Airbnb, and then just go outside of Punta del Este to a supermarket in a neighboring town so you can buy your groceries and you won't eat out. You will cook your meals and you have your meals in the house that you bought in a supermarket 20 kilometers away. So you can pay something that is even remotely affordable. But even doing that, you can say that you want to Punta del Este and you look posh. So that's how, and that's how we do it. Miami is very popular as well amongst rich people as well. And again, a lot of people try and go for there. The Rio Grande do Sul, that's quite of that time. There was a time around 2000 where Rio Grande do Sul, uh, cities like Porto Alegre and all, all the beaches around there were quite popular popular within Argentinians. But we've been together in Rio. How many Argentinians did you see in Rio? Oh, so many. And, and the thing, Florianópolis, yeah, it's very middle class. It's southern Brazil. So if, if you, the richer you are, then the further north you go when you go to Brazil. And Florianópolis, Rio Grande do Sul is south. Right, okay. Of Brazil. I love how there's kind of like a scale of how far up Brazil you go as an Argentinian. And it depends how much money you've got in the bank. Oh, yeah. And Rio is kind of like, "Mm, yeah, you go to Brazil and you can do a cheap holiday or you can go to Rio. And you've seen how many Argentinians were in Rio. We love it. Mm. That's how we holiday. And you can say that you've been there. But what's the point in going all that way if you can't enjoy it for what it is? And you you have to make those compromises. I think that people still enjoy it. It's just that they enjoy less the place and more the attention and the comments that they get for being there or having been there. So they still enjoy it. They're still an an enjoyable thing. The other difference between uh, Sarfajan and what I'm saying here is that from very early age, from where you're a teenager, you start traveling with friends. So although you might have a, um, a holiday with your family, mostly you will travel with friends and you will do a lot of road trips. So you will get in the car, drive 800 kilometers, 900 kilometers, 1,000 kilometers, 1,200 kilometers, and you go with three or four friends 
and you go somewhere there. And those, although some people tend to do go uh, abroad, most of those trips actually happen within the country. Mm. And those are the trips that you absolutely love and enjoy. And it's one of those things that I so dearly miss from being in Argentina. Travelling with my friends and the stories uh, about travelling with my friends where we got trapped by water in a mountain where it rained and suddenly the rain basically created a river that blocked the road. Oh my goodness. So we were trapped there with other cars as well. It wasn't just us, but we were trapped there for a few hours. I don't know, going drinking to all of the wineries I'm doing, going on these wine tours that start at like nine in the morning <laughs> and you start sort of tasting wine uh, at that time. Going to these remote villages, there's a lot of areas in the mountains, very, very secluded, that there's a lot of like German communities. And you go to these mountain holidays where and have tea and cake. Or, you know, and, and again, I think that a lot of Argentinians actually enjoy the Argentinian coast, but they probably will go with their friends and have like a week off with their friends. If you want to show off, if you want to, again, to cagar más alto de lo que tenés el culo, you probably go to Uruguay, you probably go to Punta del Este. If you're keeping it real, you probably stay in Argentina and just go to your friends and have an absolutely blast of a time. Yeah. The big kind of, I suppose, tradition, if you like, in Britain, in Europe, is when you go on... Uh, you know, I mean, you can't really do massive long road trips in this country. Like, you can drive for six hours and then you've reached the end of the country. I mean, not that I would want to drive that far anyway, because I've done it before and it's not something that I want to do again. But one of the things that a lot of sort of young people like to do here is is the interrailing through Europe. Mm-hmm. And I've done that. I did it on my own and I've done it with friends. And it was it's just amazing. And just, you know, buying that ticket and you can get on any train you want and go wherever you want. I remember... We we were on this train and I thought think we thought we were going to Warsaw and we ended up on a train that was going to Bratislava and it split in the middle of the night and we were in this railway siding somewhere with all these like rabid dogs and it was all very dodgy and we just got on this train and didn't know where it was going and it was so exciting because we didn't care we, we were we were together as mates you know and it was that kind of thing it's like we'll go wherever we go we'll get off we'll find a hostel and, and just explore together. And I think that that's probably one of the differences that I find with Europeans traveling in Argentina and Europeans traveling in South America is that most of them actually travel by themselves. Whereas, and they normally do very, very long trips where they normally go to a lot of places because, of course, it's big and you probably move by bus rather than flying. So they probably take like a month holiday and just go to a lot of different places in Argentina, maybe Argentina and Brazil or or then go up the mountains and go to Peru and Bolivia and so on. But most of the people that I've encountered uh, have been traveling by themselves, whereas for us, we travel in groups, we travel with your friends. There's no point in traveling uh, really by yourself. And don't get me wrong, I've traveled by myself and I really, really enjoyed it, but I wouldn't do it for like a month. I think it depends what kind of holiday you want and at what age you you are in your life. You know, if you're between careers or, you know, you've you've come out of a, a long relationship or something and you want that that time to, to discover yourself. Like, you know, I, I've done holidays by myself. I went to Australia by myself and it's fine. And you can kind of meet people along the way. Yeah. You can pick up people, so to speak. But then if you want to be on your own, you can be on your own. But I do find that traveling with someone else, like, you know, when we travel together... Or, or traveling with friends, there's something much more special about it because you've got someone to share that experience with. 
And the thing, I've traveled by myself in Argentina a lot. Uh, I've traveled, the first time I went to Paris, I went by myself. And again, it was really, really enjoyable. But to make it a longer trip, I would have needed my friends there. So where are we going next? I mean, we're talking about holidays. I need a holiday now. I know we just come back from one, but I need a holiday. I know. I, I was, you know, my first day back at work and I was like, oh, I need to book another holiday. <laughs> the world is our oyster. Well, COVID depending. Yeah. Um, the problem is we're quite, we are quite structured in the way that we look at holidays and the fact that we kind of plan them like a year in advance. But it's a bit difficult at the minute because you don't know where we can actually go um, mm-hmm. at the moment. So I think let's, um, let's, Go on Skyscanner and do a lucky dip. We'll see what happens. We'll see where we end up. (laughs) And we'll let you know when we come back. (laughs) In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, just like Bear-Tastic did. Hi, Bear-Tastic. How can you get in touch with us, Fab? That was a prompt from you for you oh, to tell us how to get in touch. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about what holiday destination I wanted I to go into next. <laughs> We're daydreaming a little bit. I'm like, oh, where can we go? Yeah. Um, yes, you can. Uh, what can you do? You can tweet us. <laughs> we are at Bareback Pod. You can contact us on Instagram at Bareback Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for us. We're Bareback. Or you can just send us an email at barebackpodcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to know what you think about this week's episode. Did we, you know, did we cover all of the stereotypes for travellers from Britain and Argentina? And if you're from a different culture, a different country, let us know what the kind of quirks from your culture is like when you go abroad. So get in touch, tell us, share, like, subscribe. All that jazz. And we'll see you same time. Same place. Next week. Bye. Bye.